بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله حق حمده والصلاة والسلام على محمد رسوله وعبده وعلى آله وأصحابه من بعده السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Welcome back to our final episode in this journey of the beginning of guidance the great book of Imam al-Ghazali may Allah have mercy on him and our commentary Maraqi al-Ubudiyah from the great Imam al-Jawi. This is episode 34 and our final one. Inshallah, we hope to make it Miskul Khitam, an ending which is uh, perfumed and beautified, Inshallah, an ending which is good and khair and which will benefit us, bi-idhnillah. So we will begin on this final section of our adab with the creator and creation. And in this case, we are dealing with acquaintances. So how should we conduct ourselves in the best possible manner with those who we encounter on a day-to-day basis, those who are not really our close companions or friends, but people that we are required through circumstance to be involved with uh, on some level. So we will begin with our dua of Imam Haddad, our dua for... Uh, the intentions for seeking knowledge and learning. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Allahumma inni nawaitu ta'allama wa ta'alim wa tadhakkura wa tadhkir wa nafa' wal intifa' wal ifada wal istifada wal hatha 'ala tamassuki bi kitabillahi wa sunnati rasulihi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa du'a ila al huda wa dalalata 'ala al khair ibtigha'i wajhillahi wa mardatihi wa qurbihi wa thawabihi subhanahu wa ta'ala There is quite a lot of rather self-explanatory text here which finishes the book and inshallah we will take from the commentary of Imam Ujawi, may Allah be pleased with him, uh, when uh, there is a comment there which will help us understand more inshallah what Imam Ghazali has intended for us to learn from this section inshallah. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Acquaintances. The third category this is a third category of people that you need to have good manners with, is that of acquaintances. Be cautious of them because you will not encounter antagonism except from people you are acquainted with. A true friend will help you and someone you do not know at all will not trouble you. All the animosity you encounter then will come from your acquaintances who express their friendship only with their tongues. You should therefore limit your acquaintances as much as possible. If you have to socialize with acquaintances in a school, in the central mosque or in the local mosque, the central mosque there would refer to the Juma mosque, so where the people would gather in large numbers for the Friday prayer. Uh, so Imam Ghazali specifies that if you're uh, dealing with people there or the local mosque, which was where people would go for their daily prayers. Or if you have to socialize with acquaintances in the marketplace or in the city, you must not belittle any of them, for you do not know they may be better than you. At the same time, you must not look at them with an eye of reverence. Because of their position in the world, which indeed could be much higher than yours and they could have far more wealth and far more of the dunya than you, Because if you look at what they have or what you perceive of them in terms of status, then it could ruin you. 
In the sight of Allah, this world, together with everything in it, is small and insignificant. Whenever your heart regards as great the people of worldliness, you have declined in the sight of Allah Most High. Imam al-Jawi reminds us at this point that the enemies of the human being are the dunya, this world itself, the shaitan, a person's nafs, their ego, and their hawa, their whimsical desires and caprices. And there is another statement here which he mentions, which means that the love of wealth and status give rise to hypocrisy just as water gives rise to legumes, meaning that it's water when it falls upon the seeds in the ground that produces sprouts and love of wealth and status is the water that's required for hypocrisy to be cultivated and to grow in the heart. So in order to protect one's deen and particularly one's sincerity, then one should not seek the love of this world and wealth and status. So inshallah, that should be something that has come through very clearly, not just in this book, but in all the books of Imam Ghazali and all the books of our great teachers and those who guide us on the spiritual path. Imam Ghazali goes on and says, you must take care not to offer them, your acquaintances, your religion in order to attain what they have of this world. So you must not sell your religion, you must not sell your sincerity for some paltry and meager reward of this worldly life. Imam Ghazali says that if you do so, if you sell your religion in order to attain something from them of what you think they have of this world, then know that no one ever does that without being diminished in their eyes and moreover ending up deprived of what they have. So not only will you lose their respect or any good feeling that they have towards you because they will think that you are psychophantic or they will think that you are greedy and that you only want what they have and they will judge you with some level of suspicion, but also you will never be able to attain what they have because your rizq comes from Allah. Whatever you have and what is your nasib, what has been written for you to have, is what you will have and by envying or longing for what is in the hands of others it's not a means for acquiring that for yourself in order to acquire what they have then you would have to stoop very very low and start behaving in most unbecoming ways in order to attain that for yourself because it would not be through the correct methods it wouldn't be with the correct adab uh, and etiquette and you will just end up selling yourself out for something which you can actually never attain. Imam Ghazali counsels us further. This whole section here is counsel and he says, if they show you enmity, do not return their enmity for you will never have the patience to fully requite them. And Imam Ujawi also mentions that you will never have the patience to deal with the animosity that they will afflict upon you. So don't engage them in that. You will end up losing your religion in animosity toward them and your difficulties with them will be long and drawn out. Do not relax and let your guard down with them when they honor you. And be wary of them when they praise you to your face or show affection for you. 
If he says you were to look into the reality of the situation, you would find that only one in a hundred of them is actually sincere. Do not expect them to treat you the same way in private as they do in public. Do not be surprised if they slander you in your absence. Do not get angry with them because if you are fair and honest, and this is yet another example of how Imam Ghazali is the absolute master psychologist, he says you will find that you act the same way even with your friends and relatives, indeed even with your teachers and your parents. For you mention about them in their absence what you do not say to their faces. So he's talking about the way in, you, in which you would speak about some of these people, people you know from here and there or people that are just uh, you're acquainted with but don't have a very deep relationship with that you might not feel a particular sense of affection for or a sense of protection that, that their honor necessarily is something that means a lot to you. Uh, but they just people around the place, the shopkeeper, whoever you deal with on a regular basis. So you will say things about them shamelessly behind their back and you should uh, know that they're actually doing the same thing about you. So don't be surprised if you heard something or came to know about something, how they spoke about you because as Imam Ghazali says, you're actually doing the same thing yourself. He says, do not covet their money or status or hope for their support. The covetous person in most cases fails in the end to get what he wanted and in the present is most certainly humiliated. Again, going back to that point about not seeking what other people have, but rather if you do have a need and if you do require something, then turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in dua and try to take a proper and sound means for acquiring what you need and going about that in the best and most pleasing and halal way. Because harboring uh, envy or harboring ill thoughts about other people and uh, seeking in an envious way to get what they have is not going to make you a happy person and it will destroy you. He says, if you ask one of your acquaintances to do something for you and he does it, then thank Allah. And Imam Ujawi quotes the hadith here that the Prophet said, Man lam yashkur nas lam yashkur ta'ala. So whoever does not thank people has not thanked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Imam Ghazali says, if he does something for you, thank Allah Most High and thank the person too. If he does not manage to do it, do not rebuke him nor complain about it, lest enmity develop. So you should overlook people's shortcomings because you don't know, perhaps the person was unable to fulfill it uh, for a reason that you don't know. And Imam Ghazali says, rather be like the believer. This is the proper state of a believer with other people seeking out excuses for his brother. That's what a believing person does. Someone who fears and loves Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and seeks to conform and to the way of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam with the most complete and perfect emulation. They constantly look for ways to make excuses and overlook what other people do whilst maintaining a good opinion of them. And he says, do not be like the hypocrite who searches for faults. Say, perhaps he was unable to do it for some reason I am not aware of. 
He says, do not admonish any of them unless you first see in him a willingness to accept it, lest he refuse to hear it from you and turn against you. Because if you're just an acquaintance with someone, they're not necessarily going to look to you for advice, nor will they accept it from you. So even if you think that you might be in a position to advise someone, you need to judge very carefully. Some people will accept your advice, but other people won't. So before you rush in with the the, uh, comment about this or that, whatever you think they're doing, then first of all, assess your relationship with that person and think carefully, will they really take that from me? Is this really the basis of our relationship where I can come in and tell them certain things? Um, Are they open to that? And if you think they are, then by all means, bismillah, go ahead and speak to that person. And inshallah, if it is that you have been a means through Allah for their rectification, then Allah will reward you for that and also give you the reward for the actions that the person does based on your advice, which are a rectification of themselves. So giving advice is a whole other section that gets studied in quite a lot of detail and it is made up of a lot of conditions and a person really needs to have a lot of wisdom and sound judgment before they go into these situations with people who they don't really have a very strong connection with from the beginning. Imam Ghazali says, if one of them has made a mistake in some matter and arrogantly refuses to to take advice from anyone, do not teach them. So here he warns you against it, for they may derive benefit from your knowledge and yet become your enemy. Why? Because their ego has been bruised. Except when they have committed an act of disobedience in ignorance, in which case you should remind them of the truth gently without being harsh. So that's the basic guidelines. If you see that they have done you an act of generosity or goodness, thank Allah who has caused them to love you. But if you see something malicious from them, leave them to Allah, mighty and majestic. Seek his protection from their harm and do not censure them nor say to them, don't you know who I am? Or I'm so-and-so, the son or daughter of so-and-so, or I'm a very knowledgeable person, as this is the speech of fools. And the most foolish person is one who deems himself upright and praises himself. You should know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would not give them power over you except because of some sin you committed in the past. So seek Allah's forgiveness for your sin and realize that it is a punishment for you from him. So know that this is actually a wake-up call for you if you see something malicious from your acquaintances. Imam Ghazali says, Be among them as one who hears the true things they say and turns a deaf ear to their falsehoods. Be among them as one who speaks about their good qualities and remains silent about their shortcomings. So there's no need to advertise things that people do uh, which you think is uh, incorrect and doesn't need to be known by other people. Um, And there is no need for you to listen to the nonsense that people can talk sometimes. You should just nod and be polite and move on. Then there comes a section here Uh, And again, because this book is a foundational book for students and it really is, if a person follows this book uh, carefully, they will find that in their seeking of knowledge, whether that knowledge these days be sacred knowledge or secular knowledge, 
They will find in it all the advice they need in order to restrain themselves and control themselves from using that knowledge in ways which will not uh, benefit them in the long run, although they may indeed sell out because of that knowledge and harm themselves by seeking the dunya through it. So he has a paragraph here where he says, Be wary of associating with the pseudo-jurists of your time. People who look like they have knowledge but don't necessarily especially those who busy themselves with differences of opinion and disputation so here he's talking particularly about legal rulings which would have been at the time the differences of opinion that were up for uh, discussion and debate and that people would dispute over but in our time now that's changed and uh, what we see is people differing with the scholars but coming from ideas which are based in secular paradigms and frameworks which we have discussed before so their disputation over the religion is not through the religion itself but rather by critique and uh, rather by uh, judgments which are made uh, based on ideas which are not the same he says that you should be wary of them for they will just be waiting for a disastrous turn of fortune to strike you out of envy. Mm, because if they're coming from a secular background, they might actually be jealous of the type of knowledge that you have because they know that they don't have it. They will make conclusive judgments about you based on negative supposition and will wink at one another about you behind your back. If you keep their company, they will take account of your every slip. So people who are in the field of Islamic Dawah, who are in the field of teaching, uh, now are in a position where they have to be extremely careful about every single thing that they say and do. I mean, they always need to be, but now it's reached an extreme point because there are people waiting for them to fall down waiting for them to say something that they can catch them on and then put them through the court of public opinion and bring this person down so if you keep their company they will take account of your every slip then confront you with them all when they are angry or during a debate they do not help you when you stumble forgive you when you slip nor cover up any fault you may have they take you to account over the most trivial insignificant things and envy you over every blessing great or small they incite your brothers against you by tale-bearing gossiping and false accusation if they seem pleased with you outwardly they are all flattery if they get angry they reveal a deep inward resentment they are externally clothed but within they are wolves Imam Ghazali says this is the conclusion one comes to about them after observing the majority except those whom Allah Most High protects. To keep their company is to incur loss and close association with them leads to utter failure. So a person needs to be very careful of the field or the career that they're going into especially if it has to do with academic knowledge or religious knowledge and know that these are some of the pitfalls uh, that currently are at quite an extreme level although subhanallah Imam Ghazali fully recognized these things 900 and more years ago so human nature does not change he says if this is the judgment of one who affects friendship outwardly 
What then of one who openly shows his enmity to you? And he says, take the advice of the one who said, and there's a translation here of the poetry, be cautious of your enemy once, yet be wary of your friend a thousand times, for it may be that the friend will turn against you and then knows better how to harm you. So if you expose yourself uh, too much to your acquaintances, then you never know at what point they may end up turning against you and using what they know about you in order to harm. It's also said, your enemy may sometimes come from your friends. So do not have too many friends, for most of the diseases that you see have their origins in eating and drinking. So there could be a couple of interpretations of that. Um, so if we talk about diseases that emanate from eating and drinking, uh, obviously from a health point of view that would be clear. Um, but what's that got to do with friends? Because if you have too many friends and spend too much time indulging um, in friendships which don't benefit you, then that might indeed be the cause of some type of illness, which in this case would be uh, enmity or animosity from them. Just as if you eat and drink too much, then that will be the cause of illnesses which result from an excessiveness. Then Imam Ghazali quotes a longer poem and he says, so be as Hilal ibn al-Ala al-Raqi said. When I forgave all and harboured no rancour toward any, I relieved myself of the worry of enmity. Indeed, I give good greetings to my enemy upon seeing him, so as to repel evil with salutations. I display joy in meeting one I despise, as if he has filled my heart with happiness. I am not even safe with those I do not know. How then could I be safe with those who affect or who fake loving me? People are an illness and their cure is abandoning them. By harshness toward them, the bonds of brotherhood are cut. So make peace with people and you will be safe from the troubles they cause and be avid to acquire chivalrous traits. Deal with people with good character and be patient as long as you remain with them. See no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil, be you circumspect. So to continue from that point, Imam Ghazali now gives a description of the general manners uh, that you should adorn yourself with, your general conduct when you're mixing with people. Imam Jawi has not explained a great deal up until this point on what has been mentioned by Imam Ghazali so far. He's given mostly some um, Arabic grammar points and he's just uh, added uh, to what Imam Ghazali has said by perhaps giving an alternative word for some of the words, things like that. So it is of course to read it enlightening and uh, something that helps your understanding but to go into that and to put it across in a translation would result in the same thing being said. Uh, so that's why we haven't drawn on it too much at the moment because it would end up in English being a repetition even though the words in Arabic are different. So Imam Ghazali says, And be as some of the sages have said, Meet your friend and your enemy with the same face, one of contentment, neither lowering yourself to them in humiliation, nor looking up to them in awe. But here Imam Jawi says, don't look at them in fear. 
So if you are confronted with an acquaintance who is your enemy, do not show any sign of fearing them. Imam Ghazali says, have a dignified bearing without arrogance. So have a bearing which is of forbearance and a bearing uh, which shows that you have a gentleness about you, but without lowering your dignity. And he says, show humility without abasement. Take the middle course in all your matters, because both extremes in any matter are blameworthy. And the Prophet ﷺ has said in a hadith, خَيْرُ الْأُمُورُ أَوْسَاتُهَا So the best of deeds are those which are in the middle, the middle way, with no excessiveness and without any uh, negligence. Imam Ghazali says, do not look around from side to side. So looking to see perhaps who's looking at you. So with some type of conceit, nor constantly glance behind you. So don't look around to see who's noticed you or who understands that you're in their presence. This is all the type of behavior which shows an arrogance and which is not appropriate when you are dealing with people. He says, do not stop and talk to every group you come across. And if you do sit down with them, do not sit in a restless manner. Make sure you avoid clasping your fingers together. Now, this specifically is called Tashbik. And this is something which the scholars talk about. And they say that you mustn't make your fingers where you put them completely in between each other. Um, and the reason for that is because this is an action of shaitan and also Imam Jawi says that it leads to sleepiness. Imam Ghazali says avoid playing excessively with your beard or ring or perhaps in our case hijab or clothing or something like that. He says do not pick your teeth, put your finger up your nose and do not do a lot of spitting or clearing your throat. And Imam Ujawi says, if you do have to spit, then you always spit on your left hand side. He says, do not swat flies away from your face too much. And do not do much stretching or yawning, whether in front of people in the ritual prayer or elsewhere. And one of the reasons for that is because yawning comes from the shaitan. And if you do yawn, then cover your mouth with the back of your left hand. He says, rather... Let the way you sit be quiet and calm and your speech orderly and thought out well. Pay proper attention to the good conversation of the one speaking to you without showing exaggerated amazement and do not ask him to repeat himself um, unless of course there's some benefit in hearing the same words again. Remain silent when people are joking and telling stories. Imam Ujawi says don't laugh. Okay, and you think, oh, how can you not laugh when somebody's telling you something funny? And that's what you would do in that situation is laugh. But what he means is don't laugh excessively because, as we know from a hadith, that too much or excessive laughter actually kills the heart. So the key point here is that your presence with people is still your presence with Allah. So the way that you conduct yourself should be with taqwa, should be with knowing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is seeing you and hearing you and observing you and to constantly have that level of awareness of his presence and that the way you are with people is also the way you are with him in that particular moment. So don't lose that moment for a state of ghafla. Don't lose that moment because you become overcome with 
uh, feelings and emotions and some type of uh, hilarity which distracts you and takes you away from that deep inner heart composure of knowing that wherever you are you're in the presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He also advises that you should not speak about how proud you are of your children uh, lest it should draw envy from people nor of your poetry or anything that you may have written or produced. Uh, you shouldn't be proud about how you express yourself, your literary work or other matters personal to you. So not to boast about your achievements, your productions or anything that you're involved with. He says, uh, this is for men. Do not go to great lengths to dress yourself up as a woman does. So don't have excessive amounts for men of adorned clothes, embroidery, colored clothes, fancy clothes. And he says, nor let yourself be unkempt and unruly uh, like a servant. So you shouldn't uh, go the other way because then people will not only look down upon you, but they will think that there is some fraudulent presentation of yourself where you're trying to make yourself like a lowly slave when in actual fact um, that's not the case because people know you're a freed person. And this has been discussed in previous episodes as well. Uh, he says avoid wearing too much kohol, so antimony in your eyes, the, the black uh, eyeliner from crushed rock. Nor should you be extravagant in your use of oil. So Imam Mujawi says that kohol should be used at night because it helps strengthen the eyesight. So if you sleep with it, inshallah, it's like sleeping with uh, a remedy for your eyes and something which um, helps your eyes. And the oil there is hair oil and also body oil. Imam Ghazali says, do not insist on having your needs met, um, lest they are not met, and do not encourage anyone else to commit oppression. So don't be a part of other people's wrongdoing towards others. And uh, there is a famous hadith that whoever contributes to the killing of a Muslim by half a word, he will come on the day of judgment written on his head that he is despaired of the mercy of Allah. So be very, very careful about what you say that could contribute to someone else being oppressed or harmed. He says, do not inform your spouse or children, let alone anyone else, of the amount of wealth that you have. For if they consider it to be little, you will be of little importance to them. And if it's a lot, you will never satisfy them. Be strict without being harsh. So in this case, Imam Ujawi says, there should be a, a threat of punishment, but it should not be acted on and be lenient with them without being weak. So finding the right balance there so that uh, their proper opinion of you is maintained and that applies to mothers and fathers. Do not joke around with your male or female servants or your dignity will be lost. He says in arguments with others, guard against your own ignorance and rashness. And Imam Ujawi says that your ignorance there would be your ignorance of the Sharia and your ignorance of Deen. So don't expose yourself, okay, and how ignorant you are for the sake of your ego and for scoring a point or two against somebody who you may have fallen into some type of debate or argument with. Um, and don't be hasty when you put across your arguments. Consider well your points before you make them. Do not gesticulate too much. Keep turning around to look at those 
behind you or fall to your knees in order to make your point. This is very, very low. And he says, most importantly, speak only when your anger has abated. And Imam Jawi says, uh, you should go and take wudu if it is that you are feeling angry uh, with regards to someone who you have got into some sort of dispute or debate with. And he says, again, if the ruler tries to befriend you and bring you close, be with him as you would the sharp edge of a spearhead. Meaning that if the ruler or people in political and uh, powerful places and with authority uh, try to get you on side for any particular reason, Imam Ujawi says, speak to them that in a way that will uh, satisfy what they want to hear, but without falling into any type of disobedience. And do not get involved in their personal matters, their matters with their family or their children. Um, but stay right out of anything that could be a danger for you, lest you fall into it and end up getting yourself in a difficult situation. Then he says, beware of the fair weather friend, for he's the worst of enemies. So that is the person who will be your friend in good health and in wealth, but the person who will avoid you should you fall into a state of poverty or illness and then he says do not value your wealth more than your honor and for that point interestingly Imam Ujawi quotes uh, this dua that we usually make and should make at the end of every majlis so he says here that if it is that you've spent your time you're gathering with people uh, in jokes and laughter and making a lot of noise and just having a lot of fun as as we would uh, think of it then he says, don't forget to remember at the end of it that the Prophet ﷺ has said, whoever sits in a gathering that's uh, noisy, then he should say before he stands up and leaves the majlis, Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik, an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Because he says, if a person says that, then they will be forgiven of everything that uh, transpired in that particular gathering. So to finish now, the last page and the final words of advice from the great Imam Al-Ghazali. He says, this amount of advice should be enough for you, dear young one, at the beginning of the path of guidance. Experiment with it on yourself. And Imam Ujawi says, yourself there refers to your nafsul amarati bisu and your nafsul lawama. So these are the two lowest states of the soul. Um, and of the lower self. So the nafsul amarati bisu, of course, is the lowest, and the nafsul lawama is the rebuking soul. So he's, he's talking specifically to people who are at the beginning of their path of spiritual purification, who would be um, in either of those or between uh, those two states, although uh, most people, I think, don't really make it past the first one of the um, constantly commanding lower self, um, commanding to do bad and that which is harmful so he says that what he's provided in this path of the beginning of guidance has three sections so this is a short a summary of the entire book a section on acting in obedience to Allah which we would have covered of the obligatory acts and the supererogatory acts of worship 
a section on refraining from disobedience both outwardly and inwardly, and a section on relationships with creation. He says, taken together, these three elements fully encompass the servant's interactions with the creator and his creation on all those three levels. He says, if you see it relevant to you and you find your heart inclining toward it and desiring to act upon it, then know that you are a servant whose heart Allah has illuminated with true faith and whose breast has been expanded to accept it. So this is the highest of blessings. And Imam al-Jawi says that this is really the completion of your religion because it's a combination of taqwa and it's a combination of all the elements which allow you to gather provision in this dunya for the sake of your akhirah. And then he says, if it is that you find yourself inclining, then thank the one who has guided you and ask him to give you uprightness and righteousness. Imam al-Ghazali says, and be absolutely certain that this beginning has an end and behind it are spiritual secrets, depths of understanding, types of knowledge and unveilings. We have explained these matters in the revival of the religious sciences, the Ihyalum al-Din, so make an effort to study it. Imam al-Jawi says here that the secrets and the depths of understanding are the details. And he just gives us a little summary of what those details are. And the knowledge, the inner knowledge that it contains is the knowledge of the states of the heart. So he says, as for those which are praiseworthy, the states of heart that uh, I mentioned here is having patience, gratefulness, fear, hope, contentment, abstaining from the world, being content with what one has, being aware and acknowledging the blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you in all of your estates, having the highest and the best opinion, having sincerity and etc. And then he says, as for those states which are blameworthy, then they are having the fear of poverty and anger and being displeased at what has been decreed for you, uh, seeking a high status and loving that people should praise you and uh, loving to have a long life in which you can just enjoy yourself. So these are the states which are uh, blameworthy and this is the type of knowledge that you would get from this book at the beginning and of course which Imam Ghazali expands on uh, enormously in his book the Ihyalum al-Din. He says as for the unveilings and this is very nice he says this is ghayatul ulum this is really the goal or what we are seeking from this type of knowledge and he says that mukashafat or unveilings are uh, a way of talking about or an expression for the nur for the light uh, which is revealed in the heart when it has been purified of blameworthy characteristics and attributes. And he says that with that light, then a great many wondrous things and affairs are unveiled and exposed through that until uh, the person acquires 
knowledge of the realities of the essence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So until you keep going on that path, until it is that you reach the highest level of knowledge, which is of course knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, um, knowledge of his eternal um, attributes, complete and eternal attributes, knowledge of his actions and knowledge of his wisdom and the way in which he has created this worldly life and the next life and also knowledge about how he has created the order of the next life being superior to this worldly life of the dunya. Then Imam Ghazali says, if on the other hand you find that your lower self considers these tasks too burdensome, so the task of purifying yourself and wanting to avoid what you should avoid for the sake of protecting your deen and not falling into acts of disobedience, and if it is that you regard this kind of knowledge as too much trouble, and how would you do that? By asking yourself, okay, well, say I follow this path, then how will this type of knowledge benefit me in the gatherings of scholars? So how will people know how learned and important I am? And uh, how will it cause me to excel amongst my colleagues and peers? So what would distinguish me through this knowledge, which teaches me to be humble, which teaches me to be grateful and to have patience and to not go for all the prizes of the dunya. So how is that going to put me ahead of others in my career? So if you ask yourself, how will it raise my status in the meetings of leaders and ministers? And how will it help me get connected and network with noteworthy figures? How will it help me get more money in positions of rank? in the endowments or in the legal court. So Imam Ghazali says, if it is that you're asking yourself these questions after you have read and studied this book, know then that shaitan has misguided you and caused you to forget your destiny, which is to return to Allah and your final abode in the hereafter. So he says, go find a devil like yourself to teach you what you think will bring you to your goal. And know with certainty that any dominion you may have in your immediate locality, so any power or authority or wealth or status that you have, I guess we'd say in your own little circle, um, let alone in your town or country, will never be without troubles. Moreover, in exchange, you will lose the everlasting dominion, which is the real dominion and eternal bliss in the proximity of the Lord of the worlds. Then he concludes by saying, He is enough for us and the best of patrons. All praise be to Allah, Lord of the worlds. May Allah continue to send blessings and abundant peace upon our Master Muhammad, his family and companions until the day of judgment. And that is the end of this book, Bidayatul Hidayah, the beginning of guidance. And Imam Jawi puts a little note here because this is his commentary in his book. And he says, the writing of this book was completed, bihamdillahi wa awnihi, with praising Allah, with his help, and for the best tawfiq that he has given on the night of Sunday, so that would be the Saturday evening, uh, the 13th of Dhul Qa'ada in the year 1289 Hijra, which would be January the 11th, 1873. 
inshallah and he says that ala yad so by the hand the one who wrote it he calls himself al-mudnib the sinner al-muqassir the one who is deficient muhammad nawawi ibn umar ibn arabi ibn ali afallahu anhum amin so that's how he has finished his book I would like to mention uh, again that the translation I've used is the beginning of guidance, a complete Arabic text with facing English translation, translated by Mashhad Al Alaf, White Thread Press, um, 2010. So that's the translation that's being used here. Um, I would like to thank them and ask Allah to reward them abundantly for the work that they do in bringing classical texts in English to our ummah. May any word that we have benefited from their book uh, be in their scales of good deeds, inshallah, and may they be rewarded abundantly for their service, inshallah. And I would like to thank the sisters who have helped me and encouraged me to continue uh, with this podcast. Um, they know who they are, and I thank them very, very much and ask Allah to bless them and their families abundantly and give them the best of the dunya and the akhirah, inshallah. And of course, uh, thank you to uh, everybody who's listened here. Inshallah, I ask you to forgive me for my shortcomings, my mistakes, and uh, my mispronunciations, and for my misinterpretations, uh, or for anything that I have done which has been incomplete or insufficient. This uh, commentary, by the way, is 395 pages. So if this is the first commentary that you have been exposed to then alhamdulillah uh, that you have studied a book inshallah of this length in arabic um, alhamdulillah that's quite an achievement and uh, we ask allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to uh, enable this to be a basis and to continue growing in our journey in seeking knowledge inshallah so uh, may allah bless you all and may you continue inshallah with your uh, support for Misk Women Muslim Institute for Sacred Knowledge, which is part of Dar Misk al-Khitam. Al-Khitam being a name for the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the perfumed ending because he was the final Prophet. It has many other meanings as well. And so we ask Allah that we finish this book with Husn al-Khatima, with the best of endings, and with Misk al-Khitam, with a perfumed and beautified ending, inshallah. And we'll finish with the dua that Imam al-Jawi mentioned here just a few moments ago. So when a gathering concludes, then don't forget to say, Subhanak Allahumma wa bihamdik, ashadu an la ilaha illa ant, astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. And inshallah, everything that has been said over the course of these 34 episodes uh, will be overlooked and forgiven inshallah. Also, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to reward abundantly the great Imam Ghazali for his lifetime of learning and teaching and service, which although he left this world over 900 years ago, his legacy continues and is so relevant today as we have seen just as it was in his own time. And we ask inshallah that we should be gathered with him in paradise as his students and that we should be able to sit at his feet there, just as we have kept his sohbah, his company, in this life through the study of his books. And also the great Imam al-Jawi, may Allah continuously bless him in his grave and enable us also to be in his gatherings, in his majalis, 
uh, in paradise and may our studying of his beautiful commentary be a witness for us and not against us inshallah and the way that that will happen is by acting on the knowledge which he has imparted to us so that is how inshallah what we have learnt will work for us here in the dunya and in the akhirah inshallah so may allah continuously bless them and bless us through them inshallah and uh, let their knowledge be a guide for us always amin ya rab please keep in touch with us at miss women through our instagram page and on telegram and through email and uh, wherever you may see us pop up inshallah so please keep us in your du'as and uh, i hope to be a part of your learning journey in the future inshallah just as uh, you are all very much a part of mine and may we develop bonds of sisterhood through the seeking and implementing of sacred knowledge inshallah and may our hearts become purified and may we be beacons of light in our communities inshallah may allah bless you and continue to guide us after this beginning of guidance and may our ultimate ending inshallah be that of illumination and hidayah and all that is good and pleasing to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by following the sunnah and the love of the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam jazakum la khair astoriyukumullah assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh